Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome to Hollywood and Levine. Episode 39. Yes, hello, welcome. I'm Ken Levine, your podcast host, and a very special episode, a very special episode. I have the president of the Writers Guild as my guest, David Goodman. And this is actually the first of two parts with David. Next week, we're going to talk about the state of the industry. But this week, I want to talk about his career and quite an eclectic career it has been. He wrote on multi-camera shows early on in his career, shows like Golden Girls and uh, a show that really deserved a better fate, Flying Blind. Also, he got into writing drama with a little show called Star Trek. And then, for good measure, he transitioned into animation. He worked on Futurama and then notably Family Guy, on Family Guy, he worked his way all the way up to showrunner, and currently he is back in live action with the Orville. But we're going to talk a lot about Family Guy and the process and how you make an animated series. David Goodman is a fascinating guy, and we're going to meet him right now. Hollywood and the Fine. Okay, so today I am here with the president of the Writers Guild, David Goodman, and this is really kind of like when uh, Mark Maron had Obama on his <laughs> podcast. <laughs> this is even better. <laughs> even better. Even better. Well, I even have more, more to talk about with you because you are also a writer, and you're a very eclectic writer. I mean, you have done multi-camera sitcoms, you have done um, animation, you've also done drama. So let's talk a little bit about that. Let's talk, uh, first of all, about um, the early days in your career. And you were in a partnership then with Rick Kopp, right? That's right. Rick and I were assistants in New York. Uh, we worked for a TV production company in New York. And I worked for I was an assistant to a writer producer by the name of Gloria Banta. Did you know Gloria? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah Gloria Banta and Pat Nardo right. who were a team during the old MTM days. That's Rhoda right. Rhoda and Mary Tyler Moore and that kind of thing. Yeah, that's right. And there are characters named after them on Taxi. That's right. Tony mm -hmm. Banta and Elaine uh, Nardo. Um, anyway, Gloria uh, encouraged us to write, and Rick and I, in, in 1988, we wrote two spec scripts. Uh, a family ties spec script and a Golden Girl spec script, and Gloria submitted them to 
with Thomas, who were producing Golden Girls at the time, and it was during the 1988 writer's strike uh-huh. that she submitted the scripts. We didn't have an agent, and so Paul and Tony had all this, Paul Witt and Tony Thomas had all this free time because they were they were on a sitting in the middle of a strike. So they read our scripts, which was amazing. <laughs> it was like the only writers who benefit from the strike. <laughs> uh, and so they they read our scripts and and called us and offered when the strike ended to fly us out. And, wow. And they put us on Golden Girls. Wow. It was a crazy story, a crazy to go from essentially being a secretary to being to being on a top 10 show that right. not just a television show golden girls was an amazing show to be on for a million reasons oh it's a great credit it is something right. that is being seen over and over and over and when i teach at ucla and i ask my students well what sitcoms do you like and I'll say Golden Girls, and all of their hands go up. Yeah. Yeah. There's something about that show. It, it really hit a moment for a number of reasons. Creatively, also those actresses, you you never – you don't see a cast like that. Yeah, that is an all-star again. squad. That's a Mount Rushmore of uh, TV it really, comedy. It really was. And it was just a heady thing. And my partner and I learned so much that first year, and then – we learned the most important lesson the next year when a new showrunner came in and fired us. So that's the that's the, in two years we had we had everything we had uh, feast and famine. In, in two years we learned really important lessons of the person you worked for last year. If it's not the same person this year, it doesn't matter how well you did last year. <laughs> that that's a you know that those were really important lessons. I think that's for us. a universal truth. It actually. is. It works in yeah. all businesses. I think. Yeah. <laughs> well, you did Wings, and you're also on. Uh, to me, one of the most underappreciated shows, Flying Blind. Yeah, Flying Blind was an amazing experience. We ju- I just. I shouldn't be encouraging this because there are no residuals, but it's somebody posted all the episodes on YouTube, and I just really recently found it and was watching this show. It was created by a good friend, Richie Rosenstock, who was one of the best showrunners I've ever worked for, maybe the best in terms of what I learned about breaking story. And interestingly, also... uh, being comfortable with my Jewishness. Uh, <laughs> Wait, you're Jewish? I know. I, now you're going to end the podcast. Uh, no Jews allowed. <laughs> not in this town. Not, <laughs> and that I learned in that writer's room to be uh, comfortable with, with that because Richie's so comfortable in it and he really encouraged that in me. Uh, but it was really an important job and I worked with some amazing writers on that staff and it was Taya Leone's first uh, job. Right. And she's just amazing in it. And uh, it, it's one of these shows that n- nobody's really seen now but was in some ways just this great, great forgotten show. It's kind of this underground hit. It was. Yeah. Richie said it was on 10 o'clock on Sunday nights. He said that they... On Fox. On Fox, that they they not only canceled the show, they canceled the time slot. Uh Because Fox doesn't even (laughs) program 10 o'clock on Sundays anymore. It was paired with the Ben Stiller show, which was also this kind of underground hit. Right. But... uh, 
Okay, so then you make like an amazing switch, <laughs> and and it you makes would... it look like I thought it through. It really just I got really lucky, is you, what happened. I mean, you, you go from writing multi camera sitcoms to writing Star Trek Enterprise. <laughs> well, in how'd the middle, do, how did you do? What Writers Guild strike uh, intervened <laughs> to make that there happen? There was no strike. Basically, Rick and I split up amicably. We both sort of wanted to pursue different things. Um, and we were partners for 10 years. It was a great partnership. And then I actually, I, I actually went into animation first. I got a job on Family Guy in its third season and it was canceled. This is like 19, this is like 2000. Right. And then, so it was canceled. And then Seth, uh, very, uh, magnanimously called Futurama and got them to hire me on Futurama. So I worked on Futurama for a season and it was canceled. But while I was at Futurama... You're a Widowmaker, aren't <laughs> I you? I've, I've been on 20 television shows. Most of them canceled <laughs> right after I got hired. Uh, but uh, uh, at Futurama, I wrote this episode that reunited the original cast of Star Trek. We had William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy. And, uh, it's a classic episode. It was a good yeah. episode. Yeah. And that was my calling card to Star Trek. Like that that year... It was really a down year for comedy on television. There were less comedies picked up that year. And so I just said to my agent, look, I'm a huge Star Trek fan. Why don't you see if you can get me on that show? And and f- f- for the first time, an agent actually got me a job. Like <laughs> He got me in the door there, and I, I uh, interviewed, and I worked there for two years. Uh, and it was... It, I was the funniest guy in the building, which which <laughs> is not saying a lot, right. but but uh, uh, it was definitely a different skill set to write for drama, and and I wasn't. It took me, you know, I was learning as I went, kind of thing, and I was fortunate that they gave me a couple of a couple of shots uh, at scripts because it, my first script is is actually considered one of the worst Star Trek episodes of all the series. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Talk and, uh, a little bit about about those differences. Well, you know the 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 thing about a comedy writers' room, as you know, is um, there are a bunch of things going on. There's you're bringing a story, and that's a piece of it. And there's somebody in that room who's keeping keeping that forward momentum of the story. What's the story of this episode? But then you've got a bunch of funny people sitting around trying to be funny mm-hmm. and competing with each other to see who's funny, not just for the script, but just in the room. Right. <laughs> We've all right. worked with those guys who don't actually contribute anything to the script. Yeah, we but could say room funny. Who, who These are guys hilarious. are really room funny, but yeah, contribute nothing. Contribute nothing, and yet... They're room funny because it, you keep them because it's fun to have somebody funny in the room, or, right? Unless they're getting in the way. Um, that doesn't happen on a drama. In a drama, it's you're sitting there breaking a story, and you're talking about character, and it gets serious. And I've actually heard that in certain shows, I'm friends with a writer named Jason Kadams, who says that in his room. Uh, he does a show Friday Night Lights and he's Parenthood. He's done a lot of those kinds of shows. Great shows. Great shows. And Jason says that there's a lot of crying that goes on in those rooms. The writer's actually telling stories from their life and start crying. Is there a guy who's like room grim? (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> it was a tissue guy. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like thinking, you don't cry in a comedy room. <laughs> no, 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 no. Gonna... <laughs> not, not if you don't want to be the, 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 <laughs> the butt of every joke. <laughs> yes, for months and months for years. and months. Yeah. Years. You cry in a comedy room. Right. Be... <laughs> but anyway, uh, so that that was different. And then... And then I would make jokes. I, somebody would say something and I would make a joke. And I wasn't working. I was just making a joke. And another writer would say, yeah, I agree with Goodman. I don't think this works because – and I'm like, I don't even know what I just said. I just made a joke. <laughs> <laughs> like, they, they took it as like a story point. Uh, so that was different. And then, you know, it, it really is like um, – you know, your focus when you're writing a comedy script is you're, you're – you're doing all those same things of like, okay, I'm keeping the story going, but this scene's really got to be funny. These characters have to have jokes or there's got, what's, what's the funny and what's the story. And in a one hour, you're really like, what, what is, what is the scene serving the characters and what emotional thing are you getting out? And you, you really got to focus on that kind of stuff or, or you're going to be doing a bad show. Right. Uh, and, and that learning that was, was uh, definitely interesting. I, I definitely, uh, as a as a student of uh, of writing, it was like oh, I'm learning something here. I'm learning something very different here. But at the end of the day, you still gravitated back towards comedy. And then Family Guy, and this was like really an anomaly. Yeah. It was canceled, but it was doing great in syndication, and the DVD sales were great, and everything. And right. and Fox decided to. Uh, pick it up again? Right. That's exactly what happened. It, the timing of it was kind of fortuitous because the show got canceled around 2000. And that was right at the beginning of the DVD market, uh, of DVD, the DVD market in television. That is, Family Guy was one of the first series to have the whole series put on DVD. It's hard to remember that that was actually not something that used to happen. Way uh, back in the Pleistocene era of <laughs> 2000. Yeah. Right, so long ago. Yeah. Hard to remember. Uh, but people weren't putting a whole series on videotape or, or – and then – but the DVD market changed and Fox like just threw, threw these DVDs out there. And I don't think they did a big marketing push or anything, but what happened was the demographic for Family Guy was the same demographic of people who buy DVDs, young men. Mm-hmm. That, those were the people who were buying DVDs. And, then, and so they just hit this sweet spot and sold 2 million units of the Family Guy seasons on DVD. And then Fox had to look at this and say – we may have made a mistake canceling this as a corporation. Right. They, there's more money here. And what animation gives you is your, your kids don't get older. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, you, you've got the, you can get your, all your actors back. It doesn't matter that they've aged. The, the cartoon characters haven't. And uh, that, that they brought it back. And, it was, and, and it's been, that was 2004, and it's been running ever since. And I came back with Seth and ran the show from... 2004 to 2010, I think, and uh, that obviously was a a big change for my career. I think that you know that that idea that I it looks like I had incredible foresight <laughs> and re-energized my career because most of the guys, a lot of the guys I worked with, the multi-camera aren't working or working or. You know, and uh, and I wouldn't be either if I hadn't found this, <laughs> this other venue, and and it revived my career and kept it 
very vibrant uh, to be associated with with something that's now such a sort of iconic show. Is very sure you, you you yourself are associated with a couple of those, and those are yeah. You know, it's a it's a great thing. It is it, a great thing. It yeah. is a great thing. I, you know, we wrote a couple of episodes of The Simpsons. Yeah. And the thing that we discovered and interested to get your thoughts on this is that when you're doing animation, you have all of this freedom. I mean, it costs just as much to put the Simpsons in the living room as it does (laughs) to put them in Yankee Stadium with 50,000 people, you know, but... Sometimes, as long as all 50,000 aren't talking. That's man. true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, we just get, you know, Harry Shear to do all of he the voices. Do, he, do he can 15, do 50,000 different. Yeah. Maggie Roswell do the other seven. All right. Uh, but uh, sometimes it's almost like there's too much freedom. Right. Story is still really important. So even when you have that kind of freedom, you still have to tell a story of one of your characters and the arcs. Are have are similar. The Simpsons' success, I think, is due in large part in that it it's still a sitcom. It's still it's still uh, idiot husband, smart wife, rambunctious son, smart daughter. Those are iconic sitcom uh, right. characters, and to some extent, Family Guy imitated that as well. And when we were our more successful Family Guy episodes are not the ones that went off the rails crazy, but actually have some story to tell. And off of that, the comedy comes. And that the, the, the problem with animation is actually that, again, you look back to Golden Girls, you can do a whole act of them sitting in the kitchen talking over cheesecake. Right. Because... Th- not just the, it's not just that the script is funny. Those actresses, you you don't get tired of looking at them. Right. There's a, so much going on in their faces. B. Arthur could milk a laugh by staring at the camera. Uh, a joke is sometimes not funny until she looks at the camera, and then it is funny. You don't have that uh, in animation. Right. Cartoon characters are not that interesting to look at, so you need to pack more story in. There was always like at least one and a half times a story in a Family Guy episode than a regular sitcom. But that's, but that's really it. Like the, the, some of the same rules apply uh, in writing. You've got to make sure that, okay, what's the story? What's the arc of your character, whoever's episode it is? And making sure that you're uh, paying attention to that stuff because the audience will lose interest. That if it's if it's too gaggy, if it's too too, yeah, I know people are out there thinking the guy writes for Family Guy. It's that it's all gag, <laughs> and I, I'm saying and I'm saying <laughs> that, that that the show's successful because we also always told stories that the people were engaged by the story. Okay, you seem to poke fun at just about. Everything. Yeah. Yes. Is there anything that is off limits on <laughs> well, Family Guy? Well, here's the thing. It's like it's always sort of determined by the room, by the writer's room, and then by the room, uh, the room's reaction to our table read. So, for instance, there was a joke that I didn't want to do. Uh, it was a uh, one of our what we call our cutaway gags, and it was a. Jewish guy standing on the train platform, and it's uh, 
London, $20. Auschwitz, $10. And he's trying to decide, hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I was okay. just horribly offended by this joke. Uh-huh. But the, the, room, the writer's room was laughing at it. And so we put it in the script. And it died. So fortunately, it died. Nobody else laughed right. at it. Right. People were, but sometimes you have to get you, – you don't always know where the line is till you cross it. Right. Uh, so there are plenty of jokes that we, you know, that we experiment like, and and we we have a table read, and we fill that room. You were at a table read once, yep. I think, mm-hmm. and that is our show night in a lot of ways. It's like we're we're putting this script out there, and there are are the people that we work with, the animators are in that room, and we have guests, and there's really a way of like judging uh, are these jokes working, uh, and then we screen uh, animatics. And which is the sort of rough animation, and then our our first uh, color animation will screen that for the animators, and it's always a good test because if the animators, all of whom worked on these episodes, are laughing at the jokes, aren't that tells you something? This is a tough crowd, right? right. Uh, it means that the jokes have some sort of life to them. But we're always sort of testing, and we're always testing the line. It was interesting in uh, the hundredth episode. Uh, uh, there was a. Um, <clears throat> we did a Pat Tillman joke. I don't know if, you, if your audience remembers. Pat Tillman was a a, a football player who died in, in Iraq. Oh, right, yeah. Uh, do you remember? Mm-hmm. And um, it's late at night. It's 11 o'clock. We're, getting the, we're finishing the rewrite of the script, and we write one of these gags. Uh, a, a writer pitches this gag of uh, Peter is is uh, in Iraq in this gag and his, and his sergeant says, okay, I want you, you're going to, the Taliban's going to come over the hill and you're going to shoot the Taliban. And, and Pat Tillman died in friendly fire. That was the other thing about it. And you're, the Taliban's going to come over the hill and you're going to shoot the Taliban. And Peter says, all right, when Pat Tillman comes over the hill, I shoot Pat Tillman. And no, no, no. And it was like, <laughs> no, no, you shoot the Taliban. And it's like that, that kind of, and we... <laughs> We we're in the room and we're having we're laughing our heads off because it's so wrong. <laughs> but it's eleven o'clock. And we have another. We have a half hour conversation with we put it in the script. Seth decides put it in. It's funny. We go to the table read. It kills at the table. But the president of the network is there because it's the hundredth episode. Very unusual for the president of the network to come to a table read. I was going to ask you about the uh, network's and, and so, reaction to some so, of these jokes. So, so the president of the network's there, and his wife is there as well. <laughs> and somebody said they turned, they saw the president of the network and his wife look at each other, and she shakes her head. <laughs> and then the president of the network, after the table read, told us to cut the joke. So the joke is on the DVD, but didn't air. On Fox, uh, uh, and that was just out of sense of propriety. It wasn't like we were going to get, uh, you know, uh, something from the FCC. That was just like that crossed a line for people, and and that happens. It happens a lot where, you know, the network knows this package is clearly labeled. Pa- family Guy delivers something. Right. You know what you're going to get with Family Guy. Exactly. Yeah. And I know you're not a fan. And- no, I'm a, f- I'm a fan of the show. I'm not a fan of Seth. <laughs> but no, there, some of the biggest laughs I, I have gotten on, a, on an animated show come from Family Guy. Uh, but, but, well, the, no. a lot of that is Seth's genius. So yeah. anyway, uh, but I won't, I won't try I to talk you out it's just It's his ego. I'm not saying that the guy isn't very talented it's just that you know has there ever been a time when when somebody has said uh we need a guy to sing opera i'll do it 
Oh, wait, no, wait that, a second. That, He's got that, a great voice. He likes to sing. Why, why you, he gets to do it? Because why, there's a why lot is somebody of, giving him a hard time about that? Because that is, there's a lot of people that have a great voice, and they're not on stage <laughs> with Barbara Streisand. And I'm sitting there at the Staples Center going, wait a minute. I spent all did this you, money to you, hear Seth McFarlane? Did you think you didn't have a good voice? I, I was there, too. He was wonderful. He was great. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was great. Anyway. He was great. Uh, we'll talk about that. The, the show that you're working on now that he's starring yeah. in. Yeah. Right. Uh, anyway, uh, uh, there was, I was finishing. I don't even remember what the story was. Okay. Well, I tell you what. Let's talk about the timeline yes. for a Family Guy episode. Oh, okay. Okay? Sure. So, you, you like many shows, you, you're in the writer's room and you're breaking a story. And so, it probably takes us about three or four days to break a Family Guy story. Right. And in that pitching, you're pitching, sometimes you're pitching gangs, but mostly you're worrying about the three acts. We do three acts on that show. And uh, then a writer goes off, writes an outline. Uh, The outline comes back. We do what's called a gag pass. So, there, the writer gets some time with three or four other writers and get some help because the, the, these shows are really packed with jokes. That must be fun. It is. It that, is. that must it, be fun. It is. Yeah. It's fun, but it's also like work. You want, you've got to do stuff you haven't seen before. We've, the show's been on 16 years or whatever. Right. It's crazy. So the writer goes off, writes a draft. The draft comes back after two weeks. And then the writer's room, like on every other sitcom, does a pass. Sometimes it's a complete rewrite. Sometimes it's just a little bit of punch-up. Goes to table. The table, do the table read. Then we might make some changes after the table read. The show is recorded by the actors, and those actors are recorded separately uh, and then edited together in what's called a radio play. And the radio play is basically a radio version of the episode. So they're not in the same room. Right. 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 When I recorded a voice with The Simpsons... We were all in the same room. Yeah, yeah. you know, it, there, there's a, those are different sort of styles of of. I was worked on Futurama, and they brought the writer, all the actors in together. Right. And I think that um, part of that is schedule. That can be harder to schedule. Sure. The other piece of it too is that that's a function of the showrunner deciding I'm going to get something from having these actors together and playing off each other. Mm -hmm. And, or is it easier for me to just edit that? And I think it it works both ways. Um, But I think that in the case of family guy, you have these gags, you have so many of these different gags that you're, and, and Seth is doing so many different voices that having people in the room together, they're, they're, you need you need to isolate those voices. Uh, otherwise, you're not going to get anything out of bringing everybody together, or it's going to it's going to be uh, it, there's going to be a downside of time. It's going to take much longer to get it the right way. Gotcha. Um, so, but I, it's a choice. It's gotcha. Not, it's not. I don't think there's a right or a wrong way to do it. Right. Okay. So now you've recorded it. You record it. You edit it together. You try to get. You you do your best to edit this radio play together, so that it feels like the timing of the episode. Your your pauses between uh, lines and this kind of thing. Then you give that radio play to the animators, and the animators at that point are doing what a storyboard, and they're doing a storyboard off of your radio play, and that they can tell from the actor's voice what expression to give to right. the cartoon character. Are these animators here in the United States? Yeah. These these artists are here in the United States. Okay. So you're working closely with them uh, and their storyboard, story 
uh, boarding it out the whole episode. Right. Uh, and at the same time, any new characters are being designed, any new locations are being designed. Everything obviously is being built. Obviously, we're using quote unquote sets mm-hmm. that we've established, right. but we're also, as you say, you can go anywhere in an animated show. If we're going to Italy, what what are the sets in Italy look like? You know, right. And so there's the showrunner and the artists are talking and determining how things look and how a character looks and then the, uh, what, what color hair characters have, all these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And once the storyboard is done, it's put into it's, – now storyboards are drawn on computer. It used to be hand-drawn on paper. Right. Now they're actually drawn on a computer screen, which saves a lot of time in terms of erasing and that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. And that goes into this program that creates an animatic. And it, it, it's basically a very roughly animated storyboard with the soundtrack, with that radio play. Wow. So that what you have then is that you have a really rough animated version of the episode, which we screen. Because at that point, you want to see if the show is working. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially your run-through to make any changes of gags that you don't feel work or lines that could be beat or if a whole story is not working. that You can really make significant changes at that stage. So um, from the time it's recorded to to that screening, a couple of weeks, a no, couple of months? A couple of months. couple so of months, six okay. Eight, six to eight weeks. Okay. So, and then... Um, then you, whatever changes you make, you make. The artists make whatever changes they make. It's all sort of... Then uh, you have timers who are timing out scenes and how characters are going to move, actually move through those scenes. And those scenes are, you do these timing sheets. And it's all, all that stuff I've just talked about, the storyboard, the character designs, the set designs, the timing sheets, is packed up and sent to Korea, where every frame is hand-drawn uh, with pencil on paper and then scanned into a computer and colored. Hmm. And that takes many months. Yeah. So from, from beginning to end, you probably – you get that color back probably about, I don't know, six, seven months after the, the table read. Hmm. And then – uh, and then you're doing your final edits. You might be able to make some little changes. It's very expensive to change it at this stage. Sure. But that's also then when you start to post sound effects, music, and final edit. And so it's the short side of a Family Guy episode. You could do it in nine months. Because of Seth's schedule, he's very busy while he's singing with Barbara. Well, he's hosting the Oscars. <laughs> he was hilarious. <laughs> Come on. That was, I saw your Oscar review. Yeah. He was hilarious. He was hilarious with the boob jokes. Right. <laughs> yeah, it was great. I'm sorry. Yeah, me too. Uh, <laughs> I thought he that was like one of the best. Anyway, uh, I'm not just kissing the boss's ass. I thought it was hilarious. It's <laughs> the reason you're working for him and I'm not. So. Uh, but um, No, I will acknowledge him, he yeah. is very talented. And he does great voices. Oh, good. I'm and I, I used to be. He's also a talented writer. I, he is. I used to be a big fan. I used to be a big fan until it was like I turn around and it's like, oh, oh my God. He, he's now the, my senator from California. Well, maybe what that happened? would be good. He's, well, he's, yeah. he's, he believes in climate change. Yeah. He believes in, I mean. Oh, my God. He's, he's the forward for the Lakers. What, what's going on he also, here? He put Cosmos back on the air. This guy's doing uh, good. He's okay. doing good work here. Right. Sports, a lot of liberal causes. Get him. To come on and be on the show, because then I'll say really nice not things. Not after he hears this. I know, no, I'm going to say really nice things about him. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't, just, don't, don't tell I him. Was like, just don't tell him about this, all right? Just, just, I, he hears know. everything. Oh, he hears it. He's listening right okay. now. All right. Uh, but uh, uh, 
Uh, so anyway, so it, it takes about now about a year for a, a finished episode. Okay. Um, but uh, and it you know uh, I've done it not just Futurama. I did uh, not just Family Guy, Futurama. I did a couple of animated other animated shows myself. It, it's a it, it of the shows I've written for. And again, I've written on like twenty shows. Animated shows are really. Uh, the best for writers. Writers have more control on an animated show than any other show uh, I've ever worked on because you really, you can adjust an actor's performance however you want. Right. Uh, you have a lot of control. You can replace an actor at the last minute. Actually, I worked on a show where um, we we uh, had animated it and colored it. This wasn't Family Guy. It was a, a, another show and we the actor actress we had sounded too her voice that we had all the way through the process it, her voice was too close to the lead actresses uh, and it was causing mm-hmm. us all this problem and so the last minute we replaced her with Lisa Kudrow actually who came in and recorded a new voice to color so we it was already animated but she put in right. and it, and the idea that you had that kind of flexibility that you could change a, uh, a an actor at the last minute and it was affordable, was amazing, <laughs> you know, and that, so the idea that you had that kind of control over your product is, is a great thing. I think. Yeah. Also the freedom again, uh, you know, I, I hear these stories about being able to just sit around for a couple of days and come up with gags, you yeah. know, it's like, wow, yeah. I'm, I'm so used to the fact that every joke has to service right. the attitude and the story, right. and that every joke has to move the right. story forward. You know, you rarely get a chance to just sit back and say, God, you know what would be funny? Right. What if? You know, it's interesting. You make it sound a lot more fun than it is. I, th- there's pressure on those guests. Well, there's always pressure. And so there's pressure. You're, not, you're, never, you're sort of like, you don't want to repeat yourself. You, you, this, this, this gag has to be fresh. And now, for, especially for a show that's like been on for 16 years, uh, the idea you, 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 that pressure's just increased, and uh, but but making that room of writers laugh at a new gag is again like the best the best feeling because yeah. this is a tough room that they, they're only they're only going to laugh if it's funny they're never going to laugh because they feel bad for you right <laughs> <laughs> and so that that's the fun part is like you got that's the Family Guy staff is a really sharp, funny, nasty group of people and making them laugh is very satisfying. And uh, now you're on the Orville. Yes. Starring, who's the star of that, that show? <laughs> Seth MacFarlane. Seth MacFarlane. Oh, my God, he got it. Who did he know? <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's a... He's a fucking genius. I know. <laughs> <laughs> like you're, yeah, all right, fine, all right. fine, Ken, yeah, fine. Yeah. No, he uh, Seth uh, set out to create a show. He's a he's a big science fiction fan. Star Trek: Twilight Zone. He wanted to do a show that kind of uh, paid homage to a type of storytelling that we're not seeing on television anymore. These are it's not a continuing story. It's an it's an adventure every week, and, and there's 
you know, some there's some comedy throughout the shows, but he's also doing stories commenting on race, religion, politics, uh, and uh, and also just a level of production value you don't really get to see uh, either. The, the studio and the network are very much behind him and really put a lot of resources into this thing. So. It actually looks pretty good. And, yeah. uh, and all kidding aside, <laughs> <laughs> this to me is the kind of thing he should be doing. You well, know? that's well. That's what actually he, yeah. he says that this is the show he came out to Hollywood to do. This is he's yeah. really a super fan of this kind of stuff, and I, you know the, I think the show is really good. I, I I've worked on again. Unfortunately, I've worked on t- so many shows, and I thought a lot of them were good, and they're all a lot of them. Everybody's forgotten. Well, we all have but, that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but um, th- this show, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. It's fun to watch. It's a great cast. Adrian Palicki was on. Friday Lights, just amazing. Scott Grimes, who's been in so much stuff, you recognize him as soon as you see him, hilarious. And just on and on, just Penny Johnson, who's uh, the president's wife on 24, and Larry Sanders' secretary on uh, The Larry Sanders Show. Great actress, really funny. Really just a great, great cast and and uh, and a great world. A great, it's a great bit of world building going on in the show. And I think... It's got a wide appeal. It's not just for geeks. It's a it's a show I think a, a lot of people will enjoy. All right. That will do it for episode 39. Our thanks to David Goodman. And he's going to be back next week. Next week, we're really going to talk about the uh, state of the industry, his agenda as the new president of the Writers Guild, a report card on that big strike in 07. Uh, did it turn out to be a good thing or not? Well, a lot more. And that is next week. Our thanks to Adam and Susie Meister, Butler, Howard Hoffman, John Wolford, and Randy Thomas. You can always follow me on Twitter at Ken Levine. Uh, If you like the podcast, please give it a five-star review. For whatever reason, they say it it helps uh, attract an audience. And I'm available. If you have any comments, questions, whatever, at any time, you can just email me at hollywoodlevine at outlook.com. Again, next week, part two with the president of the Writers Guild, David Goodman. And I'll talk to you then. Bye-bye.